Yo, what's good, y'all? It's your boy Cannon, aka the Ashy Larry King, the interview, the interview master. And I'm here with Erica McDaniel, and I'm here to interview her for her black-owned business is. Um, so I have several of them. Yes. Um, but one of them is called Your Chic is Showing. And from that, I have a clothing line called 1614, and I just launched a business with a close friend of mine called Come Shop My Closet. Oh, see? I don't even have that one here listed. <laughs> so so let's start at the beginning. When did you fall in love with fashion enough that you would start Your Chic is Showing? So I have always loved fashion. Even as a kid, I had very strong opinions about what I should be wearing to school and for picture day. Um, and people have always come to me and asked for advice on what they should wear on interviews or on a date or, you know, just anything. And so I kept getting requests to help style people. And I really fell into the business when a friend of mine who's a sports agent asked me to take some of his rookie NBA players out mm. to buy clothes that would fall in line with the dress code for the NBA and oh, then when the okay. NFL had a dress code. So I got started in fashion and styling really with men and um, in men who aren't even normal size. So <laughs> I had to not only take them shopping and make them stylish, but then find stores and designers and people that would be able to make things custom made and custom made to their measurements because... They are not built, you know, in the height department or you right. know, the muscles and just everything, things that you don't even think about, mm -hmm. um, but just sleeves and how average sleeves do not fit an NBA player or an NFL player. Right. Um, and then also it's an interesting thing to tackle because when you're first starting out in one of those leagues, you're not a millionaire yet. Right. And so you're working with a limited budget. So how do you get something custom made that fits within the rules of what it has to be? Oh, and by the way, you don't have a million dollars to spend on your wardrobe <laughs> yet. So it was an interesting challenge, but I love doing it. And that was really how your Chica showing was born. Okay. Did you expect to jump into styling and shopping that quickly? Not at all. I had started a fashion blog a few months before just for fun, mm -hmm. um, chronicling how do you look nice when you have a limited budget and things like that. But I was not expecting that people would pay me for my advice, especially because <laughs> I hadn't taken a class. I mean, now, you know, I've taken classes, but at the time I hadn't taken classes. It was all just intuition and reading fashion magazines and style magazines and being able to put ideas together. Okay. Yeah, knowing how to do it, but not being formally trained. Okay. Um, what are your steps to styling and are those magazines and, and collages... Are, is that where you get your influences from? Sure. So I definitely get my influences from fashion magazines, styling, what are the latest trends. Things are always changing from season to season. But I always like to teach people how to dress evergreen. So no matter what the trendy things are, you should have a base style. Whatever your style is, whether it's sporty, chic, whatever your baseline is, you should always have your baseline and then you can learn how to add in what's hot and what's trendy without spending a ton of money on it. So that's really okay. what I focus on doing is really teaching people how to dress for their body type mm -hmm. and then you can make the trends that are appropriate for your body type work. Oh, all right. Um, what kind of personal rewards do you get when that NBA player, that NFL player 
when their eyes light up because you put something on them that they never thought they would see themselves in. I mean, I think it's just that. Think about when you put on something that you just feel good in mm-hmm. or um, think about when you put someone in something some, or you put on something that you never thought would look right. Um, a lot of times we talk ourselves out of clothing or different styles because we don't think it's look, it looks right or we don't know how to put something on. And so, you know, beyond the athletes, when I work with the women, a lot of times women just go in the store and nine times out of 10, they look at the mannequin and put something on mm-hmm. that they see because it's already styled, mm-hmm. but you don't take into account that your body type is different than what the mannequin is. And when you're dressing, it's all about proportion. So then you get frustrated because you try on things and it doesn't <laughs> look right. So then you hate shopping or you hate getting dressed. And so what I love to do is teach people how to buy the right things for their proportion and body type. Mm-hmm. So then when they put something on, they go, oh, I never would have done it this way. Or mm-hmm. my favorite thing to do is take pictures of what they would put themselves in and then what I put them in and show them the picture because that's really when the light bulb clicks. Right. And oh wow I didn't know that's what I looked like and so that's always really fun because that's the moment I think people start to trust me right until then it's like okay you're an expert and I'm gonna listen but I don't really trust you (laughs) but when I do this side by side and a split screen then they go okay you know what you're talking about now I'm really ready to listen how do you how do you translate that into writing on your blog about these things? Sure. So I think the great thing about having a fashion and style blog is you can use the pictures to bring your words to life. So I think it's one thing to walk someone through it and say, okay, if you want to give yourself the illusion of a waist and you don't have one, put a belt around it. Mm-hmm. But then when they can see a picture showing ah. what happens when you don't have the belt versus when you do it just really brings those words to life and i think that that's the great thing about fashion style and also social media mm-hmm. is that you can give the tip but then you can show what the effect of it is okay so out of your chic is showing comes this brainchild of yours 1614 um you say on the site that it started when you had nothing to wear. <laughs> so what was your inspiration to to go from I don't have anything to wear to speaking to a colleague about coming up with some concepts and designs and all of a sudden you have fabrics and you have actual short shirts and pants. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you go from inspiration in your head with nothing to wear to actual clothing. Sure. So it's really, I mean, it's a little bit of how you would think it would be, but I always go shopping and I'd say, oh, I really like this, but I wish it had this. Or why is it in this color? Why doesn't it do this thing that I want it to do? And so when I sort of felt like I didn't have anything to wear and I went to my colleague and I said, I really want to dress that. It started with the two-tone dress. I just really wanted a dress that had yellow on the outside and navy on the inside. It It really was that simple. And she said to me, well, why don't you sketch something? And so I sat down and started sketching and doing some different tops and bottoms and asking her, you know, can we put this bottom with this top and make it work? And um, it really was as simple as me sitting down and just drawing what was in my head Mm -hmm. and what I wanted to do. And then she and I worked from there to come up with what the pattern would be and then to figure out how can we take this baseline pattern and then tweak it and modify it for people based on their preferences. Mm. And so 
I did it that way because in an ideal world, that's how I would want to shop. Right. Is to go on the store and say, I love this skirt, but I wish it had a slit in it. Or I love this jacket, but I wish it was this fabric instead. Mm -hmm. And so that was really the impetus for doing the collection that way. So it takes a little more time to design the clothing. It takes a little more time to produce it. But on the back end, everyone has a piece that's customized for them. Mm-hmm. So no two pieces are exactly the same. Oh. And yeah, so that's really a unique thing. So even the you know first dress that we did, there's I think it's we did the math. It's like 54 combinations between color, style, and cut that you can do all from this one baseline dress. Wow. You, you guys can't see it in the audio, but my eyes lit up. <laughs> 54. Wow. Yeah, and so everything that I'm designing now, so it takes more time, but everything I'm doing, we want people to be able to add their own flair and mm-hmm. add their personality to it. So um, I've gone through, and that's really how I just work with her, and then go and pick the seamstresses that we want to produce the garments. Everything is a really limited collection because where you go to a store and you can pick something and take it home today because it's being custom made to your size and your measurements and your specifications. It takes us about four weeks to produce a garment. Okay. Um, 1614 has three parts to its mission. Inclusion, empowerment, and love. Can you tell me about that? Sure. So inclusion is really about who our customer is. So, I mean... Everybody's body type is different. Mm -hmm. Everybody's body type is not represented in fashion. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean on the plus size end of it. I have friends who are very, very petite. Mm -hmm. And they can't find clothing. You know, people are like, oh, go shop in the junior section. You're 40. You don't want to (laughs) shop in the junior section. So for me, it was really important that every body shape Mm -hmm. and every person could wear the clothing and the designs and that... What normally happens in fashion is if they make something in a plus size, they change the design or they tweak it right. or they modify. And it's not necessarily that it's more flattering. Nine times out of ten, it's just cheaper to make it in that size by taking away this this whatever made it unique. A couple in a, buttons. In a standard size. Exactly. Yeah. And so it was really important to me that no matter what size you were, you got the same garment. Mm-hmm. And that you didn't have to sacrifice fashion and style because you were a different size. Mm-hmm. So that's really what the inclusion piece is. So then the empowerment piece of it is that as I'm working and working on growing the business, what I really hope to do is be able to start hiring women who are getting rehabilitated back into society because mm. they've either been incarcerated as like a nonviolent offender or um, they're coming out of like domestic abuse situations and getting back on their feet. And so, you know, when you're coming out of those situations, a lot of times the jobs that you're finding are minimum wage, if that, you cannot live off of minimum wage. If you were a single person with no children, you couldn't live off of minimum yeah. wage. Yeah. So then if you think about being a woman who's maybe coming out of a situation where she's being abused and she's got a child or two, there's no way you guys can live off of minimum wage. So my goal is to hire people at at least double the minimum wage so okay. that they can live off of the money that they're making mm-hmm. um, and go from there. And also, you know, get skill sets. So beyond having people do some of the seamstress work, I would love to get into making um, and copywriting my own patterns. Okay. I would love to eventually get to a point where we're producing our own fabric. So someone's coming in and designing the print mm-hmm. and then we print them and then not only sell the fabric, but then sell the clothing in those patterns and then have them come in and do things like run the social media, do the photography, mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, do I want to get to a point where I own my own screen press so that I don't have to pay someone to screen print my t-shirt? Of course. I would love to have someone come in and do that. And so really the big picture is to be able to empower, you know, underserved and you know, and um, disadvantaged people in our society. And so then the last piece of it is just love. I think every person wants to feel loved and also love how they look. And so for me, that's really important. That's the component that everything we're doing is designed with that as the foundation. Okay. Um, as far as the inclusion, Rihanna dropped a bomb on the fashion industry with the release of Fenty Collection. Um, the inclusion is the tentpole to that company. Yeah. Um, what do you think the lasting effects of that could be, especially since inclusion is one of your tentpoles? Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, that is, she's forcing everyone in the industry to step their game up mm -hmm. and pay attention. For so many years, and I don't know if I can talk about another brand, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, like, you think about CoverGirl that sort of picks, they have a diverse base of people. You know, they just picked um, Issa Rae to be one of their cover girls, and so they do it, but I personally don't care for their makeup because I think it makes me look ashy as a black woman. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I look I look sick. Like, the undertones <laughs> are kind of gray. Uh, so I don't love <laughs> their makeup. And what she has been able to do um, is force everyone to step their game up mm -hmm. and everyone to think about what does inclusion really mean. Inclusion in makeup doesn't mean having three dark shades. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it means that as a black woman, I have a summer shade and a winter shade. Right. And I need to be able to accommodate both of those shades, um, you know, and thinking about that. So I think the more brands and companies that come and make noise and disrupt the space, the mm -hmm. more it makes everyone in that space stand up and pay attention. I mean, there are disruptors in the fashion industry, um, you know, in the plus size space. You know, I look at Monique C and her swimsuits and she came out two years ago with plus size bikinis and tank bikini and nobody was doing that mm. and she came out and disrupted the space and now last summer everybody was doing that you could get them everywhere because she was like you have to make room for these people mm -hmm. you have to there there are people and they don't want to walk around in moves <laughs> and they don't want to look ugly and so i just think about that and i think the other thing it does is it you know for the generation that we're rising up you're teaching them off the bat to be inclusive like it's mm -hmm. not a thing that they're you know the eight-year-olds and the ten-year-olds are gonna have to come in and disrupt it's going to be so natural to them that by the time they're running these companies it's going to be second nature to them the mm -hmm. same way that you know social media and kids coming in now it's second nature to them to come into the companies and say well why don't you run social why don't you do yeah. it this way yeah inclusion is going to be second nature so i mean i think the more people we can come, get to come in and drop bombs like Rihanna did, mm -hmm. the better off everybody's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, now, as far as the fashion industry, uh, we all know that it can feel and seem very crowded. And what Rihanna taught us was it doesn't matter how crowded it is. If you have a product that people want, you can make your own space. Right. So being that you're new to the design side of fashion, how do you feel that you can come in and make your own space? And then how do you push through that wall of, I don't know if anybody's going to get to see me because it's so crowded. Right. So I think it's a couple things. I think when you're coming in, 
you have to learn and you have to see where the gaps are. So one natural gap that I saw just being in my being myself was it customized upscale nice clothing in plus sizes. It's just not there. And I'm the kind of person so my customer is not necessarily someone who wants to shop at Old Navy or H&M. They like nicer things. Yeah. And and are willing to spend money on it. But there's not always something, just because they put something, an expensive price tag on it, it doesn't mean it's flattering and it <laughs> yeah. looks good, right? And so I think for me, having the fashion aspect of it, having the style aspect of it, putting every woman in something where people will stop her and say, where did you get that? That looks so good on you. That, to me, trumped trying to be the most popular, newest, hottest thing that was out there. Mm-hmm. And so I think... From starting from that and then just working with people. And I literally, I say I sell things one t-shirt at a time, one dress at a time. But what happens is because I try to give my clients the best experience, they love to wear my stuff. So they tag me on Instagram. They tag Mm -hmm. me on Facebook. And then their friends see it and they're asking about it. And so I really think, you know, I don't even call them my customers. I call them my clients. Mm -hmm. And I really think everyone is an ambassador for the business. And I think that's really how I want to grow. Fat, growing fast is great. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of setbacks when you grow too fast too quickly. Mm-hmm. And you can, it's very easy to burn out and become a fad in fashion and style. And I don't want to do that. So if it takes a little longer to grow the business mm-hmm. and get a fan base and get a base of customers, I would much rather have loyal repeat clients who come back every season and buy something mm-hmm. then be the newest hottest thing for a season and then nobody wants to wear it again mm-hmm. um as far as promoting yourself in this space uh i remember last because uh, you operate out of philly yep um the philly fashion week you were trying to get in the door and you were offering on facebook can somebody handle this event for me can somebody handle this event for me um, as far as promoting yourself in that space, how do you go about that? Having trying to be a disruptor. Yeah, so I think it's a lot of talking to people. It's a lot of networking. It's a lot of just being connected, and also just trying to bring up people. So even um, when you look on the website, the photographer I use is black, and she's up and coming. Mm-hmm. The studio that I use is a black-owned studio. My makeup artist is an up-and-coming black makeup artist. My hairstylist is, she's the most talented person in the world. Like, I'm always like, Tamika is white. And this is totally a shout out for her. Um, but, you know, the hairstylist is black. I mean, she when she blows up, I was just like, you need to remember me. Um, because she is so talented, it's not even funny. And so I think it's also using other people who are trying to break out too because you're all trying to be disruptors together. Mm-hmm. And you're all trying to break into the space together. Um, And then it's, you know, and it's also taking advice. So, you know, when I launched the fashion line, I used to do um, events for someone who is a fashion stylist, like in LA, and he went through the photos and he was like, don't use this one because this looks a little bit off. Or the next time you do your photos, you know, have someone tug this, pull this, clip this, do that. And so some of it is also just being humble enough to take the advice and listen to people because he called me. And put me on with someone that was basically like, okay, when you're ready to launch a full-blown 13-look collection, which is a ton of work, Mm -hmm. um, they were like, we have a space for you in the show. Wow. You know, and so some of it is also just like, be humble, Mm. you know, and and listen to people. Yeah. (laughs) 
Like Kendrick, Kendrick was onto something, uh, you know, when he said that. So I think it's just, it's a little bit, but if you build authentic relationships with people, they'll also help you disrupt. And I've really benefited from that. I have, mm -hmm. you know, a business coach and a mentor who believes in me so much she told one of her friends, like, oh, you need to get a dress from Erica. Like, her dresses wow. are beautiful. They're wow. bomb. Well, this woman is, like, the mother of a retired NBA player. Wow. And and I didn't know. You know, I yeah. didn't know. And she's just like, oh, get a dress from Erica. And the woman ordered it off the strength of her telling her that. Wow. And she has all this influence. And so I think it's also just having authentic relationships with people will help your business grow way more than, like, getting a Kardashian to promote it in a paid ad mm -hmm. on Instagram, which would also be nice. But <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford that Kardashian. <laughs> so what do you say to the folks of color who maybe want to follow in your footsteps of, well, I have these design ideas, but I don't know how to draw, or I know how to draw, but I'm not that creative when it comes to imagining something. Um, or maybe you can do both, but where the heck do I go to find a seamstress? Uh, how do I pick out fabric? So do you have any advice for them? Um, any pathways, resources? Sure, absolutely. So for people who feel like they're not good at drawing or they're not creative enough, keep drawing. But you're going to go through so many pages of... <laughs> toss out ideas and I don't like this and I hate this and this looks like an alien. I like I had a shirt that looked like a Minnie Mouse bow and I was like, what am I doing? I, I started working on what I thought was going to be the spring 2018 collection and I got through like 20 sketches and I was like, someone's grandma is going to buy this. Like, I can't sell this. I can't ask someone to produce this. But the only way you can hone that talent, you know, or hone your ideas is to keep drawing and the more you draw and the more you practice the more you'll let yourself out of the box mm -hmm. and that's what's happening if you feel like you're not creative is you're still stuck in the box of what you can and can't do don't think about the mechanics of doing something just keep going and keep drawing if you don't feel like your drawing skills are up to par take a class that's really really easy um as far as connecting with seamstresses um you can go to chinatown and there's a ton of, <laughs> i mean no i'm not being funny but there's a ton of women that can sew things or can at least you can show them the sketch, they can give you the pattern, and they can show you how it can be made and pieced together. Um, you don't have to be a jack of all trades. One of the reasons I hire um, my seamstresses, which are black, is because I can sew, but I don't feel like I sew well enough to sell anything to mm -hmm. someone. Um, so I know my limitations. And so I think, you know, there's always, you know, there's design schools, there's fashion schools, there's students that are looking to get in. Look to collaborate with someone. So, you know, my dress, the whole reason there's the one shoulder is because my seamstress was like, oh, you should do this. That'll be more flattering on this. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. Hmm. Um, so, you know, pick people's brains and ask someone you trust or just sit down and ask your friends if you could design the ideal thing. What would it be? What would it look like? And then I think, you know, the other thing is don't let the fear grip you. Mm -hmm. I, Drawing is not that hard. Even if you can't draw, I mean, if you go watch an episode of Project One Runway, there's designers on there all the time who can't draw. Mm -hmm. They have great ideas, but they can't sketch to save their lives. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you can't draw, it's not the end all be all to fashion. Um, mostly it's the fear. People, you get scared. You're scared you're going to fail. I, I'm telling you right now, you're going to fail. <laughs> get really, get really, really comfortable with 
failing. Because the sooner you get comfortable with failing, the sooner you can be like, oh, got knocked down, that didn't work, that's myself, I gotta keep going. Like, I had to, sometimes you have to fire people. Mm-hmm. It is not fun and it doesn't feel good, but I can't let that stop my business. Yeah. Um, some people return your clothing for whatever reason. You right. can't let that stop your business. So, like, the sooner you you get comfortable with the fact that, like, sometimes it's just not going to work or you're going to do something and it's going to come out really ugly or you're going to create something or design something. Like, I designed a piece and it was cost prohibitive to produce. Mm. And I was like, this is so dope. It would cost me more to make it than to sell it. Wow. The sooner you are just like that as part of the game and as part of the business and you can wrap your head around it, just because an ideal fail, idea fails, it doesn't make you a failure. And so many times we wrap ourselves and our worth in the failure of an idea mm-hmm. or we tried to go down a path and it didn't work. So I stopped. I mean, I tried to go down the styling path before and it didn't work and I could have stopped and I could have quit, but I did it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think so many times we think because we tried something one time, it didn't work. Sometimes the timing wasn't right. right. Sometimes you had to grow. Sometimes you had to learn something or get an additional skill. And so I think, the biggest advice beyond sort of because you can take a class for anything technical Mm -hmm. so just the biggest piece of advice is wrap your head around the fact that you're going to fail sometimes and that (laughs) is 1000% okay All right, Uh, you got any plugs? any plugs yes (laughs) Um, so definitely go to yourchicishowing.com so that you can check out our styling prices and I will let you guys know that coming in October, your chic is showing. I call it YCS for short. Most people do. Um, but YCS in 1614, we are launching our um, more t shirts in the Epic Chic t- collection. Uh-huh. So those are just like really cheeky, kind of funny t shirts. Um, so we're coming out with a bunch for the holidays. They're really affordable gifts and stocking stuffers um, that people just like to wear. People always ask whenever I have a client that's wearing a shirt, like, oh, where'd you get that? So be on the lookout for that. And then the other thing I'm super excited about is I've been working on my business coach to come up with some content for people so that they can take some classes from me. So I'm going to be launching what we call like the Fashion 101 series, which is going to give you the baseline of how to get great style and how to understand your body. And then we'll do some 201 levels that'll teach you different things like if you're plus size how do you you know translate what you see on the runway into what works for you or how do you get really good at accessorizing and different stuff like that so be on the lookout for that because that's launching this winter all right yeah uh you're going to design a uh, defcon jive shirt <laughs> excuse me oh really that's 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 wild that's wild disrespectful no. It was coming out anyway. That's why I disrespect. I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk. Okay. Let's talk. No, that's, seriously, that's for real. That's all I needed to hear. Let's talk. Erica, thank you for your time. Thank you. I'm and, so uh, appreciative. Everybody, go to your chic is showing. Yeah. Check out sixteen fourteen. And this is your boy Cannon, the Ashy Larry King, throwing <laughs> dice in the CNN hallways. <laughs> I'm sorry. We out. <laughs>